0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Seeds of Triumph podcast. We are all about helping service members navigate through the difficult and challenging experiences that come with serving in the military. Here on Seeds of Triumph, we will discuss the good, the bad and the ugly, as well as provide several resources, techniques and coping mechanisms that can be used every day to instill overall toughness wellness, and resiliency into our military force. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy what we have to provide. Welcome to another episode of the Seeds of Triumph podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Master Chief Ponciano about his experiences in the Navy. And before I get started, um, I just want to put out a little disclaimer The content of this episode could provide some commentary about death, PTSD, and acts of terror aboard a U.S. naval vessel, so please be advised that some of this could be hard to listen to and digest. Master Chief Pontiano was born in the Dominican Republic, and he later moved to New Jersey. He joined the Navy right after high school in 1999 and checked on board his first ship, the USS Cole, as a seaman. Seaman Ponciano was part of a significant moment in naval and American history. He served aboard the USS Cole on October 12, year 2000. On October 12, year 2000, the USS Cole was attacked by Al-Qaeda terrorist suicide bombers. This attack left 17 sailors dead and 39 injured. This attack also left Seaman Ponciano with PTSD, but he didn't let it break him. Master Chief Ponciano continues to thrive in his naval career after 23 selfless years. He is a true hero, an example of what it means to triumph. Master Chief, thank you for coming on and talking to me today. I know that your story is going to be so impactful to the audience, and I can't wait to hear it. Um, would you like to provide some more information about yourself?
1: Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to, you know, uh, you know, have a conversation with you just about, you know, um, my career, uh, the things that I saw and experienced in the USS Cole and how the Navy has helped me, you know, been able to deal with PTSD. And as you uh, very nicely put it, uh, continue to be successful and continue to thrive, not only as a sailor, but uh, more, most importantly, as a person. Um, so you kind of hit on the major points, uh, you know, as you could probably notice from my accent, I was born in the Dominican Republic, uh, and I, am the oldest of, uh, three, you know, brothers. Um, I have a beautiful 21 year old daughter and I have a, a very animated nine year old son uh, and they're on my world. Um, so from the call, uh, uh, you know, i went limb dude. Uh, due to PTSD, and then I went to Nick Tams land for about a good year. I was clear from limb, du- limb duty, and I went to Strike Group 8, uh, where I uh, was the staff, uh, uh, embarked uh, both uh, the George Washington and then we did uh, also on a deployment uh, on the uh, Ike. From there, I went to Bahrain, and then from Bahrain, I went to Jack Mossworth in England. Uh, which to this day is one of my best duty stations. I picked up first class there. And uh, although it was supposed to be a three-year tour, uh, the cheese mess was like, hey, you're doing great things here. You need to go back to sea. And at the same time, I was still, you know, going through counseling to trying to, you know, work on my PTSD. And one of the things that um, the counselor uh, said was to face my fear and to take orders um, to a destroyer. And I did. Um, so not only was a career handsome, but also was personally something that I needed to do to face those fears. So I went to the USS Fort Sherman out of Norfolk, uh, picked up Chief there back in 2011. I was very lucky that I was able to stay on board the ship. You know, a lot of times they redirect Chiefs. As soon as you make Chief, they send you somewhere else. But uh, I stayed there, which allowed me to flourish even more because I already knew the crew. I didn't have to start over. Um, I literally, like I used to be the assistant section leader as a first class. And then after the painting, I became the section leader of the section. So it wasn't a big old transition. Um, then from there, I, uh, I got stationed in Corey station, as the training manager for all it, uh, C schools, uh, picked up senior chief there. And from there, after three years, I, uh, got stationed in Deser on 22, Another part of my challenge was actually to go on board the coal because I went about 10 years without going on board the ship, probably even more. I was uh, I didn't want to face that part. And that was part of the gradually moving into, you know, dealing with my PTSD uh, I was going to a destroyer. I did that. Then it was you need to go and and be able to go embark the ship. And uh, um, I was blessed that there were part of, uh, of uh, I was the ISIC for the the coal as part of the Deseron so I had her under my leadership as the uh, senior lister advisor for the Deseron for 3 years and it was a true blessing not only because I was able to f- face my own fears but I was also able to see how resilient and amazing sailors were just simply because they fell a, a, a extra level of duty because they were on board the coal um so then from there I went to uh Sicily and it was there for two years, and then I applied for uh, this program that's called MAKO, which stands for Master's of Application in Cybersecurity and Operations. And it's pretty much what it is, is the Navy takes CTNs and ITs. They already have a bachelor's degree, and you put an application, and then they send you, if you're selected, they send you to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey to get a master's degree in cybersecurity. Uh, and then you have to wow. give the Navy some time back, yes, and then you get three years, uh, you have to give three years back, which puts me now where I'm at, which is in 10th Fleet and Fleet Cyber Command. Um, okay. So I'm the department LCPO uh, slash cell for the N6 department, and I'm also now the uh, Warrior Toughness Coordinator for the the domain.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I have so many questions about Warrior <laughs> Toughness. Um Quick question though. Yes. The program for your um, master's degree is that open to uh, like? Is it closed off at a certain rank?
1: I unfortunately is only open to two rates right now. It's only ITs and CTNs, and it's from E six to E eight.
0: Wow, that's a really great opportunity. It's
1: um, an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Um, o- the only. Major requirements is you have to have a bachelor already because you're going for a master's and the bachelor has to be in the computer field as well. Um, Okay. Yeah. But besides that, because even me, I was at that time, I was already 19 years in. So I was like, they're not going to pick me. I don't I don't have that many years to give the Navy back. But my package, I guess, was really good. And, you know, funny enough, because I didn't I didn't believe that I was going to get picked. Only for my age, I, I, my package was good. I just thought, you know, 19 years, I was already working in another master's, so now I have two. <laughs> um, That's what's up. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it, it worked out, and I love the fact of the, the command that I'm in now, which is uh, Ten Fleet, which, which is that part of the requirement for the command uh, for the program. Once you get picked up, you go for the year, and now it's, it's up to 15 months, you graduate, and then you go to a cyber billet after that
0: okay, that's awesome. One of the biggest things for me, I'll say the reason I joined the military, I'll just be honest, was to get my education. So just like you, I also joined right out of high school and I just got my bachelor's degree um, last year. So that's awesome awesome that you got your bachelor's and now you're working on two master's degrees. So Yeah. yeah, I push education every opportunity that I can. Yeah. So I'll, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, talk a little bit in the sense of like, you know, when I joined the military, which that was my main reason at that time, it was to, I joined to go to school and a uh, quick story. When I went to the recruiter, um, I took my ass back for the army actually, but the army did not was only talking about infantry. And I was like, I want to work with computers. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I don't know if, if it was the same in your town, but when I in, in my, uh, recruiting office. It was literally you walk outside one office, all the other offices are in the same P way.
0: It was the so, same for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I literally walked into the Navy guy and I was like, what you got to offer? And he was like, oh, I could give you that job that you want. And I was like, if you get my paperwork from the army guy, I'm yours. Um, And the main, and the main reason after college was that my recruiter had a wall full of pictures of like different countries that he's been to And, uh, he was a young man, uh, E five, maybe like 25, 26. So he was always had a beautiful lady next to him as well. And I was like, I want to travel and I want (laughs) to take pictures like that too. (laughs) So that was my motivation as a 19 year old or 18 year old at the time. Um, but, but yeah. And then as far as college, I started late. Uh, so I applaud you. I started going to school already with 13 years in the Navy. I was already a chief when I started and, but once I started and I said, um, like achievable goals, cause at the beginning I will, I will try it. And I went for the, ba- uh, you know, put my, my college plan for a bachelor. And that seems so far and so many classes that I never continue. I will always just take one class and then be like, that's too much. And then, uh, when I was in Corey station, I went to the college office and the lady was like, why don't you try for an associate? And, you know, we go from there. And that was a blessing because it was less things that I had to do. And because I took in class here and there and I already had all the, like did all these credits. So I got my bachelor, I mean, my associate. And then I jumped immediately to my bachelor. And then, like I said, I jump into my first master's. So, yeah, now, yet last year I graduated and uh, from both of my master's. So um, I'm done that with school That is awesome. For
0: now. Yes, congrats. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um and then a little bit more about me and this uh what what, what like my passions. Um first it, it it's my my kids. Like they you know, my kids and my mom, they they drive me to be the best that I could be. Um I'm never going to be perfect. I don't try to be perfect. Um but uh anything I do, I feel and I want that if you as a sailor and another sailor are sitting down in the diner and you you guys are talking about me if my kids are in the other table, but you guys don't know that they're my kids, that they'll feel proud of what you're saying, you know, that, yeah. that, um, cause you know, they could feel proud as far as like, you know, what they see in the wall, as far as like promotions and, and awards and, and things like that. But, um, there's something more impactful when other people can tell you about, how a person made them feel as a human as a person then it's just not the rank so um that's what i thrive for i don't i don't succeed all the time because I'm, I'm human i got my own temper i got my own you know things that i need to work on as a human but i feel like if i if you strive to be the best person that you could be daily and then treat people the same way you would like yourself or even better your own children or your own mother to be treated i think that you could do great things um, I so that's so my too. passion. Uh, I love traveling as well. Um, the Navy has spoiled me and then I also travel on my own. Um, and you know, I'm very passionate of uh warrior toughness. I feel like I've been blessed that my, my CMC was like, you're going to be the guy. And, uh, um, I'm really looking forward to traveling to the different commands within my domain to be able to teach the class and, and, you know, get to see what war uh, what our sailors are doing and get them to better understand what what is the meaning within warrior toughness because i think so many people are right now I'm not looking at it in the best way because they just simply toughness they put it where strength physically more than anything and there's a lot more to it which we could talk mm-hmm. about later on about
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree well uh, I don't know if if Hawaii is in your domain but you should definitely come out here and talk to my command that would be awesome.
1: So it's funny that you say that um uh, because I am going to Hawaii and if Ooh. I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken I think I will be doing your command and and Nick Temp's pack together in the same week. So
0: Awesome. Yes. Well, super excited about that. I'm going to go back to work and spill the beans, but guess who's coming? (laughs) All right. Um, We'll make sure, yeah, we get max participation out there because it's such an important topic.
1: It is. It definitely is.
0: And on that brings me to, I want to talk to you about kind of the current state of, you know, mental health in the Navy and in the military as you see it. Um, I know that just like a lot of us, and that's kind of the basis behind me starting up this podcast is that there's a huge mental health care stigma out there that prevents a lot of service members from seeking help. And I can't tell you how many times I have come across a post on Reddit or Facebook of a sailor or service member you know posting anonymously right because you can do that these days um, asking for help or saying that they're scared to ask their leadership or they don't know where to go or they don't want to get discharged or they don't want to lose their clearance so yeah I just I just want to you know have a conversation about you know how you see mental health in the Navy.
1: So I think for me to be able to pay, uh, give you and your audience uh, the, the best picture in regards to my background and how I seen the progress is from the coal. Go back to, uh, to when it happened uh, and back in 2000. And the Navy took one big step back then that I don't think a lot of people give the Navy credit for. And what it was is we were mandated, everybody from the coal once we got back from Yemen, which by the way, I came earlier than the rest of the crew because I was assign, assigned to escort one of the, the bodies because he was an ITSN and we were really good friends and they wanted me to escort his body back. So I left earlier compared to a lot of the people. So I left on the, on the 16th of, of, of October, four days after the bombing. Most of the crew left on the 2nd of November. So once I landed in Virginia, the first thing that I was told to do was to go to Portsmouth. And they did an exam, a bunch of exams, to be honest, physically and then mentally. They took up, asked a bunch of questions and how we felt. And then when I got back, because they they sent me on convalescent leave, when I got back, I was told, "Okay, you are like borderline, but, you know, you don't need to go see anybody specifically. And then every I want to say every three months, everybody that was part of the crew had to take these questions. And then from there, they will see where were you at. So let's say the, the the exam that I do or the questions that I did, you know, three months prior, uh, how are you sleeping from one to 10, 10 being the worst one being good. If I 10, three months prior, I said that I was sleeping on a two, which is pretty good. But then three months later I was on a nine, then they will count that and see to the point where they will be like, okay, now you need to see someone. So I I bring that up to say that even then, although maybe it was not being announced, like this is the resource and this and the thing, the Navy kind of like forces, which I'm grateful because given you my background, where I'm from and the Dominican Republic and the, the the macho mentality that I was raised in, um, going to see someone was a sign of weakness. So at 19 years old, I don't think I would have done it myself. Mm-hmm. To be honest. I don't think... I could have been having nightmares and and living miserably, but I would have not gone talk to anybody because that just, I just weakness uh, the way that I was brought up. It's just simply, you know, go have a few drinks. You're going to be okay. Or go work, work out or something else besides talking to someone. So I'll start with that. Then as my career moved on, you know, and I I moved, um, the resources were always there. It just that, a lot of commands that I went to, you know, a lot of people were either in my own situation that never looked for help themselves or didn't understand what resources were there. So if I didn't say something and ask for the help or look to go to the different resources, like your Flea Family Support Center, like your uh, Military One Source, uh, to the actual hospital, if I didn't do those things myself, then there were folks that Although they knew my background, because you know a lot of my chain of command, as I went through, uh, got went to different commands, they knew because I will I've always been very open about me having PTSD and dealing with those things. They never said if they saw me acting a certain way, hey, you need to go see somebody. They will always leave it up to me. So I say that is that sometimes the resources are there, but us as sailors sometimes don't take advantage of it, right? Um. So as I've gone on i feel like there is now more openness about it you see it more on our own websites like you see it in my navy hr like if you need help, this is the you know this are the lines that you go to you see it in some of the military groups that you see on facebook um you know where where you see other sailors which is awesome not only just leadership but then all the sailors when when a sailor puts something there even whether they're an animus or not you know i need help i'm having a struggle. If you look at the comments, the vast majority, thankfully, are other sailors saying, hey, you need to go see someone or here's the phone number to go see. And I think that that is just from all of us putting back into our own people like it was put into us. So I know I've been helped a lot. Like I've been going through seeing counseling for over 20 years now. So I'm very big. I'm a huge advocate of go take care of yourself because if we're gonna talk about that one day we're gonna to have to come back to a fight that is coming down the road. It's coming. We we you know, whether we like to admit it or not, it's it's coming. Um and we wanna get there, our minds gotta be right. The same way we talk about uh, you know, we gotta take care of our families to be able to work. Our minds have to be right, because if you're an analyst, if you're uh, if you are dealing in the flight deck with, with like, you know, things that could kill people like immediately, I, I need your mind to be there. And and yes, we're going to, you know, we're going to have different things that we're going to have to worry about. And that life is not perfect. But mental health is just as important as any other muscle in our body.
0: One hundred percent agree with that. Um and I'm really glad, you know, when you said that the resources are there, you know, we just have to to ask for them and find them. Um, something that I've noticed, and I think a lot of our listeners and just maybe some of the junior sailors in the Navy, um, I think there's the, they, they, they have a hard time getting over the stigma because it does exist. And I just want to say, you know, to everybody who might be dealing with that stigma or the fear of asking for help or maybe feeling guilty because, you know, they may be letting their um, team down. What, what did I just read the other day? Um, someone posted, a sailor posted that uh, they were struggling and that there's a term. Right, called tapping out when you leave, leave the ship for uh, early for whatever reason, and I, that just hurt my heart because, you know, they were saying that they really didn't want to do it. They didn't want, you know, their command to look at them like that, and they just saw it as such a negative thing. And you know, another part of this is, like I said, I really want to remove that stigma, so we had to stop saying things like that. Right, like it's not tapping out. Um, it's a good thing because, like you said, we have to take care of our mental health. Because, what good are you staying there if you're not okay?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I, so give you an example because I, I, I had to unfortunately deal with uh, one of my sailors uh, committed suicide in September. And, uh, you know, uh, thankfully I was still going to counseling for my own reasons. Now it just, it was another adding element to talk about, which is, was my sailor committing suicide because it hit home a lot. Uh, it, it, he read my article and he sent me an email and he literally said, uh, not verbatim what I'm about to say, but kind of, you know, pu- I'm putting it like pr- pr- uh, rephrasing it. Uh, but he said something to the extent of, you know, it's good to see that I'm not the only one in the dark. Of course, that right away you know, brought all these alarms and I read the email and ran back to our shop. And I was like, Hey, let me talk to you. And I asked him, I said, um, how are you doing? First of all, And he's like, I'm good. I said, I applaud you for acknowledging that you are in a dark place. I said, but what are you doing about it? Cause you know, we, we have to, you know, do something. He's like, yeah, I'm going to see someone, you know, I'm seeing, you know, and then I asked him maybe like twice after that happened. Um, but unfortunately I could, I could honestly m- uh, admit, and I think that's why it hit me so hard is that I didn't ask him again. I mean, I'll ask him like, how are you doing every day and how, you know, every weekend, what you're doing this weekend. But I never had that conversation again. So unfortunately he took his life. So talking to the counselor after that, and one of the things she said, and she was talking more about his, this, my sailor's mental health, right. You know, and, and for me to try to understand and um, the sense of like. Why would someone take their life, right? And, uh, and she was saying that, like, it's so easy for us to sympathize and even understand when it's a physical pain that we see in someone. So, like, and I bring that up to talk about this in the ship. If you, God forbid, you're in the ship right now and you break a leg and you have to get off the ship, nobody questions that. They're not calling you a quitter. They're not calling you. There's no stigma. There's nothing to that. Even if you will have like the top NEC and, you know, now in deployment is going to be rougher, now we're going to go to two sections instead of three because we have a, and we have a less body, there's nothing being said. I mean, there might be someone, there's always someone negative. So there might be someone, oh, she broke her leg. Why she has to be so clumsy, you know, (laughs) but that would be like one person. And then everybody else might even jump into that person and be like, be quiet. Don't say that. That's not right. You know, but why are we treating mental health? As to, oh, that person just wanted to get off the ship. You know, and I bring this this counselor up because the way she's put it to me was, think about you having a pain in your eyes. You know, a physical pain. You cannot close your eyes. You can't sleep. You can't think. She's like, now put that in your brain. And how you cannot do anything else because that pain is just so much. If it was something that is in the eyes, we'll go to the optometrist and try to get help and try to get the, the surgery, the drops, whatever we need. Why can it be the same way for mental health? Exactly. I'd rather you tell me, yes, I might lose you from my ship as far as a body, but one, I'm not losing you as a human because you didn't take your life or you didn't do nothing wrong, crazy. Or two, and two, is that I might lose you for a few months, maybe a year because you're going through. But then I get you back in the Navy and I get you better as a better person dealing with the situation, know how to cope with things, have different ways to, to, you know, to deal with the situation. Even in in time of stress, now you become a better person and a better sailor. So, yes, I lost you right now, but I gained so much more down the road. And I just feel like we need to. Have that mentality from all of us because I, I I I see it in in both spectrum. Unfortunately, like I see it from the top. Hey, we just lost a sailor. You know, like you said, it's the stigma. But then even our own counterparts, I like, you know, like if that was my IT two, there's other IT twos that were we talk. Oh, he tapped out, like you said, like you call it, and that's just not fair. Yep,
0: yeah, we have Today to stop. Today is me.
1: Today is me, but who knows that tomorrow is you. Life, life is, you know, God forbid if if. You lose someone that you really care about, and now you cannot cope with that. So now I'm, I make fun of you. Now now you tapping out, right? So right. come on, it's not right. We yeah, we gotta,
0: we gotta we gotta do better. Exactly, exactly. So I don't want to hear anybody else talking about tapping out. And if if you hear that, stop it.
1: <laughs> we'll do.
0: We'll do. Yes. Um, that brings me to the next thing. Uh, as, you know, as a master chief in the Navy now, you make up such a small population, you know, it's like the only the top and and the best of the best, you know, of our leaders in, in the military. I'll go ahead and say, you know, become master chief. So what would you say uh, to our leaders out there um, when it comes to dealing with sailors and being supportive of mental health?
1: So, I, I say that, you know, if you treat that sailor with the level of understanding and caring that you really care, that that, and I use this a lot because I have two children and I love them dearly. If you look at him and say, if my child was in ship X or in command X. How would you want that leadership to treat them, right? Because it's easy to, to kind of like, well, that's a sailor. I'll treat him as a sailor. And I know some leaders do that, and that's fine. Everybody has their own different way of leadership. As long as you're doing the proper way and you're taking care of sailors, uh, some want to be more friendly than others and, and whatever, to each his own. But if you look at it in that perspective, how would you want those that you love and care, whether it's your children, your spouse, your parents, Whoever is really close to you, think about if they were in that situation and if they work for someone, how would you like them to be treated? Then you start looking at a sailor that wants and needs the help as, "Let me take care of them." you know And, and again, sometimes it's not even that deep that they're going to get off the ship or get off the command. Sometimes they just need just to go talk to someone that's a professional. They can show them then how to cope with certain things. And then they come back stronger. They come back more willing. And they even come back with a a higher level of trust because you, as a leader here, I'm speaking to the chiefs when I say this, um, you were so willing to say the mission will still be there. We got you. Today, I got your back because I know tomorrow you'll have mine. And that goes such a long way when a sailor feels that he or she is being trusted, taken care of, that it's looked at more than just a number or another body. People will do amazing things when they feel part of the community. And when I mean a community, I'm talking about that command, that, that, because it starts there. You could talk about all you want about Big Navy, but if your command, your division you know, that your work, even your own work center, because you can have different work centers within a division and then different work centers within a department. If it starts that very low where your own community, you feel like you're part of it, then you it, it just continues to spread. Hey, because it's the same thing when it's negative. If 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 your work center is, is toxic and negative, then you you have the same outlook for the division, then for the department, then for the command and then for the Navy, because how many sailors have you talked to or here? The only took was one chief. And now all chiefs are toxic or all chiefs are bad. The same way how I've been some sailors that only took one chief and they just love the, the khakis. And because that chief and devil treated them like human. So it's it's we make such a huge impact as chiefs. Um, with our actions, with our words. Um, cause even I give an example, cause even if you tell me a massive, I need her, you know, I I made an appointment. I, I had to go see someone. Um, and then just my tone on how I take that can make such a difference. I could be like, that's awesome. Glad that you're doing that. You know, let us know what you need or, Oh, another appointment.
0: Make See sure those, you those? bring the slip back. Make yeah, sure yeah. you bring a doctor's note. Yes, yeah. Yes, uh, why is
1: the appointment at 1300? You know, why isn't it at the end of the day?
0: Like, uh, just, you know that and that happens a lot where a lot. leaders will set these boundaries or the, these crazy rules when it comes to medical appointments and be like you need to schedule all your appointments in the morning or after 1400 and that's crazy. That's crazy to me. It
1: is. It is be- but it's all because you know, there's this different mindset on, you know, uh, uh what well, things gotta get done. And if you're not here all hours that everybody is, then you know, or or if I let you go, then I gotta worry about everybody else being let go like that. Again, I I'm just a firm believer that if you are open and clear and and able to explain to a sailor, like, okay, yeah. Uh, your appointments, hey, do the appointment, whatever you can or whatever is available, because I want you to go take, take, get taken care of. Um, That will just mean, unfortunately, that maybe not tomorrow or later on, you're going to have to stay late. But like, hey, this maintenance still needs to get done. So I am I might not be able to let you go early on Friday, you know, but it's not it's not because I'm saying that it's a punishment. It's just simply explaining like this maintenance needs to still be done. You know, if, if I can assign it to someone else. Right. Um yeah. But it's all about conversations, and without having the the stigma that, oh, because again, that same conversation, the maintenance still needs to be done. I might I might need you to 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 do it Friday instead of you you know not you know not doing it at all or doing it later instead of saying well, um, you still got that damn maintenance that need to be taken care of. So, uh, um, now you got to stay late tomorrow, and it's like cause then that feels like a punishment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then why would you tell me again that you need to go see someone if you know you're going to get punished?
0: Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, Master Chief said it himself. As a leader, you know, we have to be accommodating and make sure people uh, are uh, he- are heard, right? And that they trust you as their leader to ensure that they can get the help that they need. And, you know, I also want to say for maybe somebody who's not in a leadership position or for that, you know, E3, E4, E5, um, I'm all about promoting unity and teamwork because when we work together as a team, things are just so much more efficient. So if you see your your shipmate or your friend struggling or they need help or they need to get somewhere, pick up the slack, volunteer yourself, you know, take their watch. That goes so far and that can also help with that kind of pressure um, to get some of these these mission things done but I don't ever I'll never say that mission takes priority over somebody's health because we can't get the mission done if our is, people
1: aren't that healthy. is a great point because like I said earlier today is you but tomorrow might be me mm-hmm. so if if I got your back if I you know if I could take care of you you know and you know what's crazy too is like I a lot of the, you know you know especially in my and my, you know, me being a master chief, and then my first class, second classes, there's such a gap, right? So, but it's amazing when you see them. I see my guys interacting, and in, and in, and my 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 group, and you know when they talk to each other, and they're like, "Hey, I gotta do this tomorrow," you know, whatever X appointment, and the other person is like, "Don't worry, I got you. I got, I'll take care of this part." And they just so fluently When is that. And then lastly, I'll add. Um, as far as us as leadership and me as a master chief and, and, you know, just people, uh, you know, wearing khakis is it shows a lot when you are also taking care of yourself. And what I mean by that is it's a lot different than me saying, you need to go get counseling. You need to go to your appointments. You need to go take care of this. You need to go take care of that. But I'm not. And I'm not going to counseling and I'm not taking care of myself because to me, if I take care of myself, that means that I'm taking care of others. And what I mean by that is if my mind is right, if I'm ready to do the job and I'm trying to perform to my best of my abilities, then I'm able to take care of my sailors. If I'm in the grind all the time, I don't take my leave when I need to take leave if I don't go you know and and decompress if I don't go and go to counseling knowing that I have PTSD all that all it's going to do is show up in different ways and is usually hurting our sailors and I don't mean it physically but I mean long hours I talk to you any kind of way uh, I'm not compassionate enough like all that's all the ways of how stress and lack of compassion shows up so if anybody is here listening, that's a leader, whether it's a first class, second class, third class, chief, master chief, whatever. Take care of yourself, because that's how you take care of others.
0: One hundred percent. That I'm. I'm glad you said that. And one thing I don't want to bring up uh, is in your inter in one of your interviews, um, you mentioned that leadership and commitment of chiefs encouraged you to strive to be a better person. And so I just can you expound upon what the chief mess, what the chief's mess meant to you as a young sailor in the navy, and how it's kind of developed as you advance through your career.
1: Absolutely. So the first example, of course, is, and I I know that thankfully, uh, and I hope nobody has to go through anything like that, like the coal, but that experience and seeing how the cheese mess worked as a mess um, made us. do certain things that we didn't want to do, that looking back, they were not bad. It was just simply that that we didn't have an understanding. And I give an example. Like we were we were doing colors. Even though the ship was, you know, taking water and we were in, in tough conditions. But it was about the pride of the flag flying. That was one. Showing everybody that was looking for Yemen and anybody that any of those terrorists that that did that to us that were looking, because I guarantee you they were looking one way or another that we were not going to be defeated. Um, and then two is the sense of like, even in the, our darkest moment, we still need to follow our customs and courtesies and and honor the things that we need to do. So not only did they taught me that, but then, you know, one thing I, I, I saw in the uh, during the call is I saw a lot of people crying, including myself, being super scared and just, not having a clue where to go next, what to do next. And the one group that I didn't see doing that was the Chiefs. So fast forward to 2011, when I made Chief, I felt like I could ask the Chiefs that were on board certain questions that I didn't want to ask before, just because I didn't feel like I was in their group yet. But now that I made Chief, I was like, I could ask them. Mind you, most of them were already retired. And I asked them, I was like, how come I didn't see one chief crying or, you know, or just look looking lost? And the two chiefs that I talked to, they said, oh, we did. We just did not do it in front of you guys. The cheese mess was destroyed and, and the coal. so they had to find like a space where to go to. And that's where they cry. That's where they argue. That's where they had their fears and scare." And they said, not because we didn't want to show you guys that we're human. It was because we knew that you guys were looking at us for the answers. And if I'm crying and if I'm, you know, going, you know, not, not being able to, to go with the moment, then, then I bring doubt to you as a young sailor. I'm, I'm literally someone that only had like 12 months in the Navy, you know? So. That, that really resonated inside of me in the sense of like, they didn't say that they didn't cry because I'm macho or, or I'm so, so tough. They said that we just did it in another location just so we could show you guys that, you know, in the sense of like, this is what you need at this moment is our full attention and for us to look locked in. The other thing that the chiefs mess um, through the years and before I became a chief and even after is the level of resiliency that I've seen. You know, uh, I seen a lot of my brothers and sisters, uh, going through a lot of like, you know, terrible experiences, um, whether it's themselves or, or their own sailors, like, you know, for me, uh, suicide, like literally in my, my, my own division, the first time and only time has ever happened was just last year. But there's been so many chiefs that had to deal with that. Right. Um, and the, the the things that they told me and they like how to deal with those things for themselves, not so much just only like as as a leader and what they did with the divisions of the department, but like how they cope with it. Um, and that resiliency to be able to still have quarters just a couple of days after and understanding that, yes, you know, we, we have to mourn our, 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 our sailor and, and, and the brother or sister that we lost, but then the mission still needs to be accomplished. And then now find a level of pride of like, we're going to do this as a team because of the sailor for their memory, because they will, he or she will want us to still thrive and be the best that we could be. Um, So, yeah, I, 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 and then lastly is that um, what makes our Navy so beautiful. uh, I see it in the mess, of course, but I, I've, I've seen it in my 23 years is our diversity. I just love the fact that me and you can come from two different backgrounds, and here we are with the common goal, right, and that I could learn so much from you and it doesn't matter that your age, your race uh your you know anything that might be different, your religion, anything that might be different from from me I take it as you just bringing something new into my life, and um. I've seen that a lot through the navy and def- and definitely I've seen it through the mess, you know, as as you know, I remember being in in, in one mess where we had, you know, from literally almost every corner of the world, um uh, and you know, different religions, different, you know, sexual orientations like it was just a a full rainbow. I like to call it a gumbo. It was a beautiful well-cooked gumbo where everybody brought something to the table and, and it just have made me a better person, not only just a sailor, but most most importantly as a person. So I'm very grateful to be in the Chiefs' mess, and I just hope that I could uh, leave something as as much as other people have left on me.
0: I love that, and uh, I'll I'll bring up too because I thought this was hilarious that you even said that <laughs> you uh, when you were a young sailor before you even joined the Navy, you uh, were a fan of the Chiefs' uniform. <laughs> <It's> yes. That...
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey i i remember the johnny cashes I'm, I'm i'm dating myself here and uh i remember seeing like when i went to my recruiting office there was a chief sitting there for those of you that never seen the johnny cashes please google it um it used to be a fully dressed like a fully uh they call it blues but that's, they're they were black so it made everything pop you know the 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 gold anchors and the ribbons and everything. And then I said to myself, uh, I need to wear that one day because I, I, I want to look that cool. So um, I still take pride on the fact that I'm still wearing the same khakis that I wore when I got pinned and back in 2011. And uh, cause they tell me if I'm, you know, if I need to cut down on some things or I need to work out a little harder, But I I take I take a lot of pride on the fact that I'm still able to wear my khakis that I wore now almost 13 years ago. So, yes, I love the uniform. I love I love wearing my khakis. I love how, you know, uh, it it makes your ribbons even pop some more. I don't know. I'm into fashion. (laughs) So it, it makes it it makes it a lot better for me.
0: So. Like I said, I love that you speak so positively about the chief's mess because although I've had my, um, you know, traumatic experience with some chiefs um, that, that I'm very open about too, it's become full circle. And I le- I lean a lot to the chief's mess to really teach me and mentor me and lead me to be a better person for the sailors that, you know, I lead and will lead as I continue my career. And uh, I just want to say, you know, as we talk about breaking down um, the mental health stigma, there's also a negative stigma around the chief's mess in the Navy that I say, you know, contaminates our force because I want our junior sailors to trust the chief's mess and see them the way that you saw them as a young sailor, because I'd say that, you know, you are a walking, living, breathing example of how that trust and and how, you know, that admiration and aspiration to be like that, you know, developed you into the resilient person that you are now and great leader and chief that you are now. And I just, I don't want to let, you know, like, like you said, um, when we were talking previously, you know, there's always going to be bad seats in any organization. So I just thank you for shedding that positive light on the chief's mass so that we can start to repair that trust, which will hopefully encourage our sailors to start asking for help when they need it.
1: And, and I think, thank you, you know, thank you for you having that mentality and wanting to be open to understanding that, that like me and you spoke earlier, that, um, you know we're just a mirror of society right and and unfortunately we are going to have bad chiefs you know there's no other way to call it right just the same way we have bad officers just the same way we have bad junior sailors like there is we're just a full image not saying that to to excuse any bad behavior or or how a a, a chief treats a sailor or whatever um but i I I, I just hope that that we, as a whole, as as a as, as a organization, as the Navy, is that you know I, I beg sailors to to give other chiefs the opportunity, you know, to to lead them the proper way, and I'm I mean I I've been around the block a lot, right, and. I have sat next to people that I was very disappointed that they were in the same uniform that I am. Um, But I also have said what a vast majority of people that I'm amazed of how knowledgeable they are about their job, how much they care about their sailors, how much they want to become better as a person, as a human, as a, as a chief. Um, So sometimes it just simply is, um, you know, understanding that that not everything a a chief tells you is necessarily uh, uh, because they just want to make your life miserable or or worse. Sometimes we're just not as good with words as others. So I might take 10, 15 minutes to explain something to you. Other chiefs are, you know, for better or worse, their leadership skill is to like say, no, this cannot be done. And, you know, maybe not tell you the exact the an entire reason of the why um i just challenge you that if you ever felt that way uh that uh, that that you know you you getting told no or that you're not being uh, uh, understood the way that you want it's maybe as the to instead of shut down that chief is like giving the opportunity to say hey chief now that things are calm you know can can we talk about you know the why this shit was not approved right um, why you recommend it. Because by the way, no chief, even mass Chief Anciano, can say no to a chit. I can recommend no. but I cannot say no. So I'll throw that in there. Um, and just ask like why, you know, you recommend that and maybe a good chief will explain that to you. Should be able to explain it without just feelings. Should be say that this is because it's black and white or this is because this is how we've been doing it. So let's say, I don't know, um, I want to take leave every Friday. You know, just cuz I don't want to work on Fridays. And I'm like, "Well, I let you take leave, you know, for the past month, but now two other people want to take leave, and I'm saying no to yours because I want them to be able to take leave. You could take leave again two months from now on Fridays anyway." And they just simply have an explanation you might not like it or you might not agree with my explanation. But I feel like if we start giving people the opportunity to be able to talk, because if it was you that were saying something to me or, you know, if you were telling me why you were late or why you didn't do a tasking, you will want me to understand your reason. So why can it be the same way? Not every chief wants to be toxic. Not every chief wants to be mean. Not every chief wants to be bad. We just unfortunately, for better or worse, are the ones that sometimes have to say no. And this becomes even more upsetting when it's there in writing, but you as a sailor did not take the time to read it thoroughly or to ask questions before. Because maybe I have to say no to the way you wrote it, but maybe there's a way that we could get to yes if we sit down and talk about, you know, hey. Because like I was telling you about the the MAKO program that I just told you about. If I didn't Mm -hmm. go to the details with you, You could have been like, oh, there's a program for cyber. I'm studying cyber, even though I'm a different, so I'm going to route it. But that's why I threw in there that it's only CTNs and ITs for now. If you didn't know that, if we didn't have that conversation and you just put in that shit, now I'm saying no. And all you see in is me putting no, but not the conversation that could have gone with with that situation. So, again, yes, there is chiefs that need help, They need to do better. Right But the vast majority of us want to take care of our sailors, and want, us, want you guys to take our place. I'm here to get, train my relief. I got three more years, and that's my sole <laughs> purpose is to train my relief.
0: That's awesome. So um, I actually also um, I also found out that you participated in the Navi 4 Mental Health Summit. And so with with that, actually, I'll let you kind of just talk about you know what that is. Uh, I didn't know that that exists, and I was very happy to find out as somebody in the information operations domain that something like that did exist, and that our leadership was discussing it so
1: yeah, so it was initiated by uh, Admiral Ashback, uh, nine by four, and which first of all, I got to give her give her a lot of credit for for. Setting that up and and just making it a a, a requirement, a, like a desire, you know, this is what we're gonna do. Um, so they had uh, uh, you know, COs and XOs and CMCs and and sales from all the commands within the domain. Uh, together with mental health uh professionals and IDCs and and all these different people, and they. It was a three-day just talking about mental health and what resources were, are there and, and sharing what we do best, which is sea stories on how, you know, we can make it better for our sailors. She is extremely concerned with the amount of suicides and, and, and you know, how it's is, is deteriorating our people. Uh, and what I liked about it, the concern was not how many people are going to seek mental health. Cause that's a positive. If you're going to go see someone, that's a good thing. You're doing something. You're trying to get better. Her concern was about suicide, and how that could be tied in. You know, which it is in a lot of situations. Is, is I mean, there were some horror stories about sailors trying to get help, mental health, and because we have a backlog, that's like just the reality of it. Unfortunately, this one sailor that didn't get seen for like three months. Right and and and
0: and, and, and I'll, I hate to cut you off here, yeah, but no, I do want to say at this like important time, don't let that stop you because there are resources out there. There's nonprofits, there's crisis helplines, there's social media, there's podcasts like this. You know, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Like we will get you help. You don't no, have I, to wait.
1: Absolutely, thank you for cutting me off. I don't,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it says that, that, no, and
1: and and I will even add that if you're not getting. You know, if you go and make that call and, and, you know, you made it at home and you're not getting, talk to someone in your chain of command. Because I could tell you that, I could tell you right now, and it shouldn't work like this, but it does, that if you call me, let's say I'm, I'm ITCM, and I go to that hospital, we're going to see somebody. Um, maybe not this, that day, but not in three months. Because either they're going to find an appointment for that person or you're going to tell me the resources where I could take my sailor. So don't suffer in silence. Three months is too long, a week is too long. Like there is so many resources. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, But yeah, so, so that was part of the horror stories. I mean, there was either there was even XOs and CEOs talking about themselves dealing with depression and dealing with the the, the weight of, you know, you the CEO and you have to take and having to go for mental health. So it was, it was an outstanding, um, you know, I I go into a lot of symposiums, I go into a lot of conferences that are voluntold to go to. And this is one of the ones that I was not only very, uh, you know, thankful that they wanted me to speak, um, but also just very grateful that it was done and it means a lot when it's coming from a three-star when a three-star is telling the rest of their C her co's to be like no you will stop for three days and you will fly because there were people from bahrain there were people from sicily there were people from all over you know hawaii from all the different commands they flew all in and they were there to talk about it to talk about resources to talk about we even talked about watch floors and how to make better for hours and like all these different things. And we have professionals as well. So it was not just, you know, Master Chief who's been to a bunch of uh, counseling. No, it was the professional, the people on the other side saying where the resources are, how to take advantage of some of those resources. And then also, you know, looking at CEOs and saying like, Hey, you got to take care of yourself too, because if you show it from the top, then it becomes a culture of it's okay to go, to, you know, to mental health, not only when it's the last resort, it's, it should be when like, we feel like we need to talk to someone, not when I'm drowning and I can't even sleep or eat or something like that. So yeah, it was, it was a very important thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that, that she takes us so serious. And I think they're going to do another one this year. Like, I think she wants to make it a yearly thing, not just simply that year. And then, you know, go from there.
0: That's awesome. That 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 should give everybody in the Navy hope, right? That that our leaders see us. They see what's going on. They recognize it and they are doing something about it. It Absolutely. doesn't happen overnight, right? But in the meantime, we can keep supporting each other, being good leaders and all that. Yes. So thank you for sharing. Um, that's awesome. Absolutely. One of the things that I read in the article about that um, summit was that you guys talked about warrior toughness and the extended operational stress control program. And so, if you could just go into those two programs a little bit, um, I think yeah. our audience, yeah, could benefit.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, I won't talk a lot about the operational. Um, program because I don't know if like as well. Right. Okay. Um, I know that, that a lot of their, their a lot of the things that they're trying to do and they are in are very aligned with warrior toughness. So I will talk about warrior toughness because that's the one that I, I know best. Um, so for those of you that haven't heard too much about warrior toughness, i just heard it like here and there um, is a way that the Navy is trying to do a mental shift. On regards to how we see toughness, um, and the way that that the that warrior toughness is being talked about is in the sense of three major things: one is um the ability of taking a hit and keep fighting that's warrior toughness, so that's one It's just you take a hit, and when we take it, when we mean taking a hit, I'm not talking about. Just in a military wise, I'm talking about, you know, God, God forbid, you know, something happens in my my family and I miss and I lost and I lose someone that I really care. That's taking a hit that that is an impact on my well-being on how it is. But it's like, what am I doing to continue to fight? And that simply it, might just be go see someone like that. That is, you know, key fighting is to say I'm not right. Let me go see someone so I can continue to do my job and, and perform as a man, as a as a father, and as a sailor. The second one is perform under pressure. And that goes, again, that goes into not only the military, you know, if it's a fire on board the ship, am I going to walk towards the fire to save the the ship and my sailors or I'm going to walk back? So that same can go in just in, in human and, you know, Perform under pressure. We know we're talking about degrees and going to school. Am I going to, you know, try to do the best I can to be able to get the grades that I need to get this degree, to get this certification? You know, I have big dreams to be, you know, a nurse when I get out of the Navy. So am I going to continue to to do, you know, go to the school like that is, you know. And then the last one is, um, you know, achieving that on a day to day grind. So we all go to. You know, there, the day-to-day grind. We have this, you know, this constant grind. So, is to try to excel day in and day out. And and what I, and what that means is simply is, you know, did you give it your best? That's excelling. Excelling is not, you know, simply achieving the best score in an, you know in an exam. Hey, you took your exam and you got eighty percentile. Good on you. The more of you, I never got that high. But the more people that get that, the better, awesome. But if you could go to the exam and you said you know that you study, that you try to put the time, that you did everything you could, and you scored a 68, that's excelling because you gave it your all. You know, like, like too, too many times our, our, you know, barred of what our excellent is It's too high or or too unfathomable. We compare with other people and your 100% is not equal to my 100%. Your 100% might be higher than mine, but is can I look at myself in the mirror and say that day in and day out, I'm trying to give 100%. And when I say that too, is that sometimes we have to understand that my 100% today is 50% of what it was yesterday, but it's still my 100% for today. And I'm just giving it my all to what I have. Like sometimes. I need to fill my tank. And my tank is. Speaking to my children. Seeing my children in person. Because I don't live close to them. So my tank might be at 50%. Because I haven't seen my children. But I'm giving you all I have. Although it's only 50% full. Tomorrow. Once I talk to my kids and I see them. It might be way back to where it used to be. And that. It's gonna be my hundred percent for the day. So that's what warrior toughness is about. Is it's a mindset to trying to achieve peak performance and all that we do. And to do that, there is meditation, there is um, you know, uh, uh working on on our muscles by being in tune with, with our bodies, understanding where, you know, where you know, hey, my legs feel this, this way, and that, that's not a usual thing. Like, what can I do to do better? Um, go into counseling, you know, like that. Those are the things to get us to peak performance is to use our resources. Why is it so, it's so okay to go to the gym and work out, you know, but but then we don't put the effort to make sure that we're eating properly, that we're drinking enough water. Like, all that is part of peak performance. Training, taking training seriously. You know, when we're doing certain evolutions, because today might be a drill, but tomorrow might be real life. So that, that's what warrior toughness is about is, is, it's changing that culture to understand that if in the time of need, and if something does happen, you know, cause again, we talked a little bit earlier that the war will happen. It's coming. Something is coming. Are, are we going to be mentally and physically prepared to move forward? Instead of going back, so I feel like it's a great program. I feel like it is it's, it's, it's going take some time you know to to get people to to look at it from that perspective instead of just simply oh uh, what are you talking about tough uh, can I can I lift as many pounds or can I uh, you know can I shoot a uh, uh, an individual if I'm in the line of fire uh, that is toughness to an extent, but it's more than that is to be at your peak at everything that you do and how to get you there.
0: That's that's awesome. It sounds like uh, it really, you know, focuses on your mind, body and soul and just kind of getting you in that mindset to be able to deal with whatever, you know, the Navy throws at you or life. Um, have you ever read the book uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth? Have you ever heard of that book? I have. And I have
1: not read it, so but okay. I have read I read up a- I heard about it and it was actually recommended in the class, by the way, by the Oh really? The yes.
0: Yeah. So I I read that book. Um actually when I was in the midst of recovering, you know, from my trauma and the healing process. One of the things that I sought out to do was educate myself as much as I could on kind of my mind, what I was feeling. And one of the things that I really sought out was like, okay how do people overcome and endure these tough things and one of the books that came up was this book called grit by uh angela duckworth and so i read it and it recently came up um as i was looking at warrior toughness stuff again i was like oh there's a lot of similarities and i bring it up because i want to point out that she's done research on the topic of grit Plenty of studies. Um, she's a professional. And one of the things that she says is a lot of people believe that, you know, grit and the ability to achieve success or persevere through anything is inherent and it's based off talent. That's the belief. But her research proves that that's not the case, that we can actually be trained and developed to build that grit. So it really sounds like warrior toughness um, is able to do that.
1: Yes. So I haven't read the book, as I said, but if that's what we're talking about, that's exactly what warrior toughness is. And I think that's why the chap recommended it because it's understanding that, you know, um, so the way they, they, as you go through the class is they talk about resilience and they talk about peak performance. So resilient is your baseline and then your baseline it it's it's like as you so think about the batteries on the phone why they tell you they're not to plug it all the time so the phone has is thinking about the fact that like okay last time every time i'm 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 being plugged in is only is after like 12 hours of being used so what happens is the battery keeps building to be able to be good for 12 hours but if you plug your phone after only six hours all the time after a while The batteries only are good for six hours, right?
0: That must be why my phone dies all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so that is, so then it's the same thing with us human is if you build yourself to be able to, or think about it even in the gym, like if you, if you continue to do build up to do five K's, they become easy as you continue to do more because you build in that resilience Mm -hmm. so that your baseline continue to increase. Peak performance is yes. I'm my baseline is this, but at one point I'm gonna have to do a marathon for whatever reason. So then now I'm building to go to that peak performance, and then I can come back to my baseline. So, so it 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 what it what the warrior toughness is trying to do is to build you up. That if unfortunately if you are in the situation that happened like us and the coal is we had warrior toughness and resilience and all that just because we had so much training before it happened. And then by seeing our brothers and sisters either injured or passing away, we even got closer and said, we were not going to get sick. The ship is not going to sink and we're going to continue to fight, even though the ship is not at the best condition. And we didn't even know we were doing warrior toughness back then. Um, but it's, it's that it's, it's, is I felt as a little seaman that was just doing what I was told, I knew where to go and what to do because of the training that I had. And perfect example, I'll give you very simple is before we were, uh, the bomb happened, we were having all these GQ drills and we were sending zebra in an observe amount of time. Like for DDG, I think it's Somewhere in eight minutes is what you want to set up Zebra. We were saying like 12, 13, 14 minutes, just horrible. But the day that the bombing happened, we set Zebra within five minutes. And now that I recall and looking back, I remember moving from forward to back half and, and from back half to forward. And each time I did it, I was closing hatches just by memory. Like I didn't, Like I didn't even have to remind myself. It became muscle memory. So that's the warrior toughness is
0: you per- the Navy and the training prepared the training your mind pre- and your body you and, and my soul and and your soul, right? The heart and character that it takes to to go through that, to still Absolutely. fight.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That-
0: that's awesome. That's a really good way to tie it together. And, um, you know, as the show is called seeds of triumph, I would ask if you'd be willing um to share your own personal seed of triumph which is a reframing of a traumatic adversity into the beginnings of progress and it prov- it provides us all an opportunity to endure, learn, grow and triumph.
1: So for me um and uh this is very personal um it you know so a lot of people might think it was the cold but um It was actually um, my divorce. And the reason for that, not necessarily the divorce itself is triumph, but it, it made me have to go to different kind of counseling. So I was going for PTSD for a while, and then I started to go to counseling for me as a person overall. Like, what do I need to do to become a better person? because I was not a good person to my ex wife. And that's why we got divorced. And what it did is allowed me to be more open about my own flaws. And what I mean more open is to acknowledge it myself. Like you are not this person that you're saying you are and about certain things, right? A certain aspect of my life. And um, and the lady even recommended um, this book called The uh, uh, Five Little Languages, which when you hear it, you're thinking about love, or, you know, love languages. But it's amazing how it could go into any relationship that we have in life, right? It could go from our parents to coworkers to, you know, a special person in our life. And I, I hit a very low point Right. Because I not only was dealing, I was dealing with my PTSD for, you know, my stress at work had brought me to a really high level. Um, and then that, you know, my marriage fell. Right. Which, by the way, was all my fault. So but yet, you know, I felt so, so down. And I think I was able to pull myself up um, because I went to counseling and then my like came as i started to question myself but in a positive way like i i wasn't necessarily like telling myself you're a bad person or you you did it was just simply you did this how can we fix that how can you become a better person how can you be more loving how can you be more understanding of others how can you put other people first instead of you being as selfish as i was which i you would have asked me back then. I would have been like, "I'm not selfish," but deep down inside, I was, right. And I'm still working through that. So to me, that was that was it because I was, you know, it's it's easy to feel low when you go through what everybody else feels like is pain and and heartache, which is you know, in, in this case, in the coal, so much death. Of course, that was something that was always going to be part of me, and it was a huge. Uh, a moment in my life, but something like my divorce was very personal. It's me and her. Like it's, I mean, it affects other people like my children, because you know, they see that that happened. But as far as feeling it's usually just the two people. Um, so I was very low. Although if you saw me from the outside, I was still a high performer and still doing the things that I, that I do. And I was doing it well, but I was dying inside. And, uh, it, it, I didn't have a choice to pick myself up because I started thinking about, uh, my children, my mother, and how I just wanted to be a better person. Right. And I never wanted to make hurt anybody the way that I hurt my ex-wife. So, so I think that for me, um, cause I changed a lot about me like that, that made me focus so much more. And I even, without a doubt, even, I became even a better leader because I, I started listening more. You know, like, it just... It, it And you become so much better as a person when you actually listen to people. It's amazing the, the, the things that you're able to accomplish and the way you make people feel when you just listen. You know, because then that's when the little thing comes out and, you know, it could just simply be... You know, hey, hey, how was that play that your daughter went to, you know, last week? And they looking at you like, you remember that message? I was like, yeah, we, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of listening. So that's been my triumph that I, I learned how to listen. It took a while, and I'm still working on it. But uh, that's the best thing that's happened about all that.
0: That's awesome. Um, and you know what I got out of it is that you experienced something so negative, right? And, and dark for you. You even use the word failure. But now that we get to the triumph part, you know, you can talk about it as something positive, right? You were able to learn from it, to grow from it. And ultimately now you're a better person. And that is common throughout a lot of the hardships that all of us face right as we go through these things that are terrible and at the time we don't feel good we don't know how we're going to get through it but we do and in the end we come out better so thank you for sharing that that personal aspect of it right because that is um you know very deep and i know a lot of our listeners can resonate uh to that too
1: yeah thank you and 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 um, I I will say that again. If it wasn't because I was already going for counseling because of my PTSD, then I would have never looked for that other type of counseling because it was two it's two completely different type of things. PTSD that I was the counselor that I was going to is it, it's it's in relation to that trauma and how to deal with that. But this one was about finding myself, right? And what do I want in life? And I had to I had to like be honest about a lot of things, where you know. And, and personal levels and things that either I put a lot of weight towards her as my partner or I put in myself thinking that I should be something because that's what society wanted me to be or whatever. Um, instead of being happy with who I am and accepting myself and having grace for myself. Yes. Because if you have grace for yourself, then you could have grace for others.
0: Yes. And uh, I needed that. Yeah. I say that all the time to everybody, you know, you got to give yourself grace and people say it to me too, because I'm not always that way. Uh, but it's definitely, it definitely keeps me grounded and, you know, I was not always calm or positive and I'm still not always calm or positive, but it used to be a lot worse. I can resonate, you know, in my PTSD diagnosis and, um, you know, even before my, I had a little anger, temper control things. And um, let's say what, maybe eight years later now, um, it's like a complete turnaround. And I'm so much better for everything that I went through and all of these skills and techniques that I went through. And just as simple as self-talk, right? Being positive, affirmations, gratitude, something that you don't have to go and sit in front of somebody for, it really helps. And I'm not just saying that <laughs> um, no. I used to look at my therapist when she would bring stuff up like that to me, like she was crazy. And I'm like, that's not going to work, but it really does. It
1: does. And actually that's one of the, the many mindfulness things that you're doing for toughness, self-talk. You know, we all, uh, uh, you know, performance statements that we have that we don't even acknowledge or we don't even think. Like, for example, um, one of the things that we were talking about in my class, and you know, I'm an IT and I love my rate, and I I'm, um, I'm all about it. Right. And now we were talking about performance statement, and I was like, We always talk about as ITs, there's no bombs without comms. That's a performance statement. Like we are <laughs> pumping ourselves to say that, you know, because a lot of people think, and that just goes for a lot of the IW rates where they feel like we're just in a room, that we don't necessarily are out there and doing certain things and shooting people know that. Well, you can do a lot of stuff that all the other stuff do without us. That's true. So, so, but that's a that's, I love
0: the ITs. <laughs> that,
1: that is a way to self-talk to yourself by performance statement, by like you know you're looking at yourself, if you're going to do an interview, we also talk about rehearsal. you know, if you're gonna go do a, a a presentation, go ahead and stand in the mirror and say it, you know do it, try to do it if you if you're capable of doing it, right, and then just go over it and instead of being super critical, look at what could you can improve, right But instead of saying, "Oh, you did horrible, just simply oh." We need to work on this. We need to work on that. And then highlight the things that you did right. Cause we, we simply just go to the bad. What can I do better? And my face looked this way as too many on and all sorts of stuff. Instead of saying, I did, you know, I put out everything that I needed to put out. So I did that part, which is important. You know, I was able to hit the key points, like look at the positive positive. Yes. and yeah. And, and self-talk and positive talk goes a long way.
0: And it's infectious, right? It is. It spreads. Yeah. It,
1: it does. Because, because it's it simply sometimes, how about this? Like you could be having a bad day, but you know, we, we disguise it very well. Right. So we're at work, we're doing that thing. And I don't know, you simply, you know, did something. I don't know. I asked you to bring me some folders and I just said, Hey, thank you very much. You know, thank you for that report that you, you know, provided, which you probably wouldn't even expect in that part right? You just did your report that you do every day, but here's ITCM telling you, thank you for doing your job, but thank you. Like I didn't, we were talking about something else and I just simply just threw that in there because I, I thought about it and just simply say, thank you. Most people will look at that and say, he didn't have to say that. That's awesome.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: You know, and, and, and it could just be something like that and you can make someone's day. I don't know. I, I, It might not mean something, nothing to others, but to me, I'm always about giving people compliments one way or another.
0: It 100% goes a long way. It means a lot. I spoke in in my episode about that. Like I had a chief for the first time coming out of that terrible experience that I had at my last command. And he said, Thank you. And I hadn't heard the word thank you from some of my leaders. In five years in the five years that i was there nobody ever said thank you or appreciated so hearing that it was really a turning point and so it's not a myth it does matter and when you say that it it means something so yes
1: it does and it doesn't take anything right like it doesn't like the person that's saying it i mean and i understand we're in the navy so you know got to be mindful of you know especially if you're going to say something about i don't know uh your hair looks nice. So I get it, you know, be be mindful of that stuff. But I feel like if I'm saying in front of everybody, because I don't got nothing to hide, and I simply, the same way I tell my IT2 who the other day just got a nice haircut, and he's a guy that I could tell you that you have a nice like that, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with telling people, you know, hey, um, you know, seeing pictures in your desk that, of, of your, you know, people that you care about and, you know, Uh, your dog and he's making a funny face and you're like, that is so funny. Uh, You know, I could see how that could like bring you to peace when you look at that. What's wrong with that? Like it, it, life is tough already. Um, Let's have a little bit of grace on each other.
0: Yep. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. Uh, I just want to, I want to give you a last kind of opportunity to, You know, provide any message or advice to anybody that might be, you know, going through their own PTSD struggle right now or any other um, mental health struggle. Okay.
1: So I have two things. Uh, The first one is to touch on that is that you're not alone. There's a lot of us that are dealing with the same things as you are, the same struggles or even worse, right? So there's no shame on looking for help. For acknowledging, because that's a huge step. Um, and to try to become the best person that you could be. And the only way that you're going to achieve that is by looking for help. You know, acknowledging that you need it and looking at it and and look, you know, try to get the help that you need and not look at it as being a burden to anybody. Not look at it as not being strong. To me, you are three times, ten times stronger when you do, then you know that if you didn't, you know because it just you just want to become a better person, and there's nothing better than that. So, um, use the resources out there and don't take a no, you know, from your chenega man if they are doing that, which I hope not, um, for medical and they're telling you no. Say something to someone else, or start looking for other resources, or if that person telling you there in that desk that they don't have an and an appointment into three months tell ask them where else can I go where can I find a soon something sooner you know so don't take a note and then my last one is just in general this is not about mental health this is just about us as human what is your legacy and what I mean by that is my legacy is not what's in my collar my anchor in two stars it's not what's in my chest you know, my insane amount of reverence or my, <laughs> or anything like that. My legacy is how I make people feel. Think about that as a, as a person and how you go day by day and how people feel about you. When they talking about a C story, when they're talking about home as a, as, you know, or as as the brother, sister, wife, partner, what is your legacy? Your legacy is how you make people feel. And would you want to hear that legacy 20 years from now? Are you going to smile? Or are you going to say, I could have done better? And that's all I have.
0: All right. Thank you, Master Chief. Um, so we talked about you know, the mental health resources that do exist and how, you know, we can get around this stigma barrier that, you know, the stigma doesn't have to exist and that, you know, we can feel empowered by our leaders to seek help. And not only that, but we talked about how most of our leaders in the Navy, you know, comes from come from the khakis and the Chiefs mess in particular, and that they really do have the ability and such a powerful influence to make a big impact on all of our lives. And then lastly, you know, no one's in this alone. We're all in this together and that you too can triumph. Thanks again, Master Chief, for coming on and talking with me. And thank you to the audience for listening in to this episode. If you are struggling with your mental health and you need help, please go to our episode description and click the link as it contains several mental health resources that could help you. Also, if you would like to contact the Seeds of Triumph podcast, please email seedsoftriumph.podcast at gmail.com. The views expressed by the speaker and all guests are not those of the Department of Defense, United States Navy, or any other government agency. They are strictly those of the speakers who do not speak for any other organization or entity. The speakers are not mental health professionals and do not intend any of the content of this podcast as mental health advice. If you need professional mental health advice, please seek out your closest military or civilian mental health providers immediately.